Welcome everyone to a brand new House of Bob game. My name is Jake and I will be your host and Game Master. Today we'll be playing Lancer, an RPG by Massive Press, set in the far future where humanity is spread across much of the galaxy. The players take on the role of Lancers, elite pilots of powerful mechanized cavalry. Heads up that this will probably be a shorter campaign than most of our main campaigns. We're just playing through one whole mission to serve as a sort of prologue to get a taste of the Lancer universe and systems. That'll set the stage for a longer campaign if we do choose to return to it, so let us know what you think. So I'm just going to set the scene a little bit and then we'll get started. The PCs are a team of Lancers working for the Union Navy. Union is a large, post-scarcity, post-capitalist, near-utopian society that emerged from the ashes of tens of thousands of years of war, dark ages, fascism, and corruption. Union is making an honest effort to correct the mistakes of the past and reunite the huge diaspora of humanity throughout the galaxy. However, their work is far from done. Conflict, strife, and human suffering still runs rampant in many places. One such area is a transit corridor known as the Long Rim, where this campaign will be set. The Long Rim is an area of space with no habitable planets, few resources, and limited access to the Blinker Omninet. Its only value is because it's the sole route by which ships from the central galaxy can reach the hotly contested frontier known as the Dawnline Shore. A small population live here in the rim on space stations, nomadic ships, and hollowed-out mining asteroids. Many make their living by providing services to transports and colonists moving through the corridor, others by piracy and smuggling. Union has decided to send teams to start improving the situation here by meeting with these various enterprises to improve relationships, curb piracy, and ensure the safety of travelers and locals. And so, we join the party en route to the station's Sigil 1 Rotunda as members of the newly formed Long Rim Outreach Program. There you are to meet with your new boss, Union Administrator Vic Rickards, who will be assigning you uh, your missions here in the Long Rim. So we open on a crowded waiting area on the arrivals deck of the Sigil 1 Rotunda spaceport. Through small reinforced portholes, we can see twinkling stars and plasma trails from passing ships many of whom will make Sigil 1 their first stop before traveling deeper into the long rim. In the crowd is a young man wearing the uniform of a Union Navy cadet. He has short, curly hair, large glasses, and a welcoming smile, though he is currently fidgeting nervously with a sign he holds that has four names on it. He looks anxiously at his wristwatch and back to the closed docking bay door and then back to his watch. Eventually, the door opens, and a variety of people hauling their luggage begin to file through. The cadet watches and his eyes eventually brighten as he begins to wave eagerly when he sees the four individuals he is waiting for. And we see these four individuals uh, walk off of the uh, shuttle bay door and into the space station. Why don't you guys describe yourselves as you enter the station here? I am playing Rusk Tilson. He's probably in his 60s, but he holds it well. Like He definitely has a strong build. He has short, cropped hair and... Probably more scars than you, you can count at a glance. He has his full military uniform like Preston. He is looking on point. I also wanted to ask uh, each of you, what brought you here? What, why did you join the Union Navy? Or why did you take this position and kind of the outreaches of space? What brought you here to this stage of your career or life? For Rusk, this is essentially his retirement plan. He wants to take it easy out here. He was a super soldier previously, um, doing a lot of dangerous missions. So he's thinking this is going to be a just a walk in the park. 
walk in the park, but you've been uh, downgraded to level zero licenses with <laughs> no special, none of the special equipment you were used to as a super soldier. So we'll see. <laughs> Nobody told him that. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> I'm Schubert, and I'll be playing Freya, but uh, everybody just calls her Val, which is short for her full call sign, which is Valkyrie. So Val is a medium height, like very muscularly built young woman. She's like in her 20s. And she always has a very confident uh, look on her face. Doesn't say much, but when she does say stuff, it's usually pretty short and to the point. And sassy. (laughs) (laughs) She comes from uh, Spar, which is like an ice planet. Imagine just like Antarctica in the dead of winter all over. She wears kind of traditional sparry clothing a little bit, but obviously not like the full furs and stuff. It's it's a little bit more uh, summer style sparry clothing. And uh, yeah, she's like a former monster hunter. So she's covered in um, giant bones and um, teeth and stuff like that. Oh, and she's covered from head to toe in like blue tattoos. They kind of just look like war paint. But if you look closely... They're actually like diagrams of circuit boards and um, Mm. like computer circuitry. We're going to get along. (laughs) And what brings Val here? Val grew up in a society who like monster hunts for a living, basically. And they are often scouted to be mercenaries for the Union. And Val was one of those hunters who who were scouted uh, recently by the Union. So this is kind of a new thing for her. And she's not really used to being a part of a military organization yet, but she wants to see more worlds and uh, have more stories so she can bring them home to her people and eventually become a techno priest. That's her, her goal one day. Awesome. Alex? My character is named uh, Matt Rioska. He's a very, very humanoid looking droid looks almost like if you took like a really bald guy and then just like dipped him in metal. (laughs) If you look closely, you can sort of see the imprint of like circuitry uh, that leads to his nickname and call sign PCB, uh, which he did not pick for himself, just what people have called him. And he has no opinion on it as a droid. He has no opinions on anything. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) What brought him here? He has no idea. Matt's memory is wiped in between missions in order to allow him to more effectively serve the Union, but he knows that he is here to serve the Union, and he is excited to do so because he loves serving the Union. (laughs) He is not entirely sure of his history, but he knows based on the number of update cycles that he was probably first activated maybe a year to 18 months ago. Oh, just a little baby droid. Yes. Fresh off the conveyor belt. Fresh off the belt. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Awesome. Awesome. I'm Sean, and I'm playing uh, Petrocles. So walking off of this shuttle into the the dock, you see uh, what looks like an adolescent boy. He's maybe 12 or 13, but the closer you look at him, the more you see that his face is covered with worry lines and his skin is weathered from what looks like many, many more years than he possibly could have existed out in the sun. He's got shaggy blonde hair, brown eyes, and he's wearing like a white tunic with red trim and he's got a sword at his side as he walks through the dock 
he's joined up with the union because it's literally his religion. This is part of his missionary work as a member of a Hellenistic cult dedicated to the, the god of war, Ares. Perfect. I feel like my character has parts of each of everybody's character, <laughs> but in some ways it's like opposite to each of your characters. So it's, that's mm-hmm. kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm excited. So yeah, you guys uh, walk off the ramp into the uh, waiting area on the station here and you see this young cadet waving you down and uh, see the sign he's holding with Matt, Fresk, Petrocles, and Freya on there. Matt strolls up and says, Hello, young man. How can we be of assistance as you approach, he, he snaps to a, a salute and introduces himself, and he says, Welcome to Sigil 1 Rotunda. My name is Cadet Jeffrey Slips. I'm one of Vic's assistants. I'm here to welcome you and, and, and take you to the union offices. Uh, if you're ready. Do you have all your bags? Can I take a bag for you? Hold on, I'll get a cart. And he nervously slips off and goes to the baggage carts and grabs one, and he's kind of struggling to balance it and the sign that he's holding, And but he makes it back over to you. Val uh, just throws all of her bags onto the cart <laughs> and tops it off with a big axe from her <laughs> from her belt and puts it on top. Rusk is the exact opposite. He's got everything neat and tidy in his sack. He's like, uh, I'll be taking my own bags. As you wish, sir. Petrocles stacks his bags up as well. Says, uh, thank you, Jeffrey. Uh, is it a long walk to the office? Uh, maybe about uh, five, ten minutes or so. No problem. He says no problem, but I mean, the station is not one G's, but it's close to one G's. And you can see that it's uh, kind of weigh him down here. He's got this kind of nerdy, lanky, not athletic build. But uh, he doesn't say anything as he uh, kind of struggles to push it ahead of you guys and says, follow me. I'll get you to the office. Matt has no need for luggage because everything he would need to carry with him is built in. But to fit in, he just like mimes setting some luggage on the cart. <laughs> That was weird. Jake, you said that this station is like a big hub. Do most people stop here before they head to the Dawn Line? Is it that kind of universal? The Sigil 1 Rotunda is it's the first station into the long rim. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, th- this is the last stop between now and <laughs> no, last 500 gas light years or whatever, miles, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's a very common stopping place. It's owned by a corporation called the, the Sigil Group and... Yeah, it's where almost everybody traveling through the long run will at least stop here to fill up and make final preparations before heading down. So it's big and there's a lot of traffic coming and going through here. Sorry, it's owned by who? A company called the Sigil Group. They're maybe one of the... mm, Legitimate isn't quite the right word (laughs) to use. uh, Corporations operating here in the rim. They print all of the GMS, which is the the like standard union gear. They print all the GMS equipment here. So like the mechs that you use, they have the licenses to print all that kind of stuff. I saw one people describe them as kind of the the wish.com of uh, the Lancer universe, though. Um, you don't always, you know. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> They're, yeah, they make a lot of knockoff stuff. They can get you that premium license, but it might not be exactly the right thing. So cool. Jeffrey uh, lead, starts leading you through the station, kind of struggling with the weight of the cart and pointing out some important locations along the way. Uh, he says, oh, uh, the Zocalo is down that way, and the, the printers are down the hall to the left, and take the elevator to deck four. The biggest impression you get of the station is that, firstly, space is at a premium here. Everything is built very small and compact, or you know, like hidden away in compartments that fold out from the wall. And the second is the kind of staggering diversity of people here. You see miners and laborers and soldiers and priests and traders and tourists and monks and bounty hunters and salespeople and corporate reps and poor, rich, young, old, and from all across different corners of the galaxy. Pretty much everything in between. 
for those of you that work in, you know, kind of union space, that's not that weird. It might be unusual for someone who comes from a, like a diasporan planet like Spar or, or uh, wherever Petrocles is from. I see that Jeffrey is a young man who's a little on, on the slender side. And I'm just thinking I was that too once. And, and he <laughs> needs to push these carts. He needs, needs to get some muscles like me. So I'm just letting him push these carts. It's 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 for his own good. Should offer him some monster meat. Yeah, monster jerky. Yeah, monster jerky. <laughs> I got all kinds of monster jerky. I give him some monster jerky at the end as a gift, a thank you gift. Mm, that's <laughs> nice. Oh wow! Eventually, down a kind of otherwise nondescript hallway, you stop in front of a door that's titled a union office. Jeffrey uh, opens up the door with a pin pad, and you notice that it's immediately it's kind of uncomfortably tiny. You know that the union has not in the past had much of an influence here in uh, the long rim. So the office is kind of this tiny little place that they've rented from the sigil group. But yeah, you see this tiny office room. What little space there is is dominated by stacks of paperwork and the walls are plastered in maps and charts and graphs and other data about the long rim and the enterprises here. There's another door that leads down to bunk beds and a lavatory and another that leads to a small kitchenette. And Jeffrey rolls your bags over into the uh, bunk beds area. And he says, oh, take a moment to make yourself at home. And when you're ready, we can talk about uh, your missions here. I'm ready. I do. I'm ready. Matt mimes picking up a bag and setting it down to a bunk and then salutes to indicate that he is ready. Jeffrey instinctively salutes back to you, Matt. Jeffrey pipes up and says, uh, so there, 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 there's bad news and, and there's good news. You just missed Vic Rickards. He, he suddenly got called to a mission off station. Uh, he won't be back for about a week. But, but that's the good news is you got a bit of short leave until he comes back. Uh, I already received the specifications for your mechs. I went ahead and got them reprinted. They're waiting for you at Docking Bay 7, but wait until uh, Vic gets back. Um, well, he'll give you your missions once he does. All right. I'll be at Docking Bay 7. And Val, I think, heads off to check on her mech. <laughs> uh, do we have like a, a area we can skirmish? You know, get in, get in shape? Yeah, yeah. So there's the uh, Greenway. One of the upper rings of the station is kind of like a big park area, essentially. And there's a, you know, like a running area and a small, you know, like squash courts and that kind of thing <laughs> in a gym. And he says, if you have any questions, anything you want uh, in the meantime, let me know. Um, I, I, I stay here in the bunks as well. Um, and basically, I just wanted to give you guys an opportunity so we can get to know your characters a little better. What would they be doing during this downtime, during a bit of shore leave? What kind of things would they be up to? Uh, we already know that... Uh, Volk is heading right to the mech base, and we can <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go there in a sec. But if anybody's going with her or uh, uh, wants to go somewhere else, let me know. Patrickles would set up his bunk like right away. He pulls out these little stone statuettes out of his bag and sets them up at the head of his bed, a little shrine there. You see that there's like a little figurine of a, like a man with a sword and a shield and a woman sitting in a clamshell, and he just sets it all up and gets it all tidy and adjusts exactly which angle they're at. Um, and then turns to watch what PCB is doing. PCB is just standing perfectly still <laughs> and watching what else is going on in the room, <laughs> occasionally doing a like nod or a weird mechanical smile, which is very obviously programmed in and not particularly well or very convincing. He's got idle animations. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So he's just he's just running through his idle animation loops. Awesome. Yeah. This guy gave me the heebie-jeebies. Hopefully it'll be a good fighter. Yeah. I see you. You must be a war priest. I can tell by your decorations. Uh, I am. Are you a follower? 
Nope, not at all. I like war, but I don't I don't need a god for it. Ares will keep you safe either way. Yeah, yeah that's fine. That's fine. Uh, I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> so love it. Well, we we can assume that you guys have spent a little time together because there was the 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 journey yeah. here on the, the ship. So it's not like you guys are total strangers. Okay, but I mean, yeah, absolutely. Feel free to introduce yourselves and that kind of thing, but you don't have to pretend like it's the first time you've met. <laughs> I had a question for Petrocles. Yeah. I guess it's a question for Sean. Do you want this Hellenic religion to be common or quite niche? Or is it common in your neck of the woods, but not elsewhere? Or It's common in my neck of the woods because, from what I understand of the, the long rim history, one of the first things that kind of triggered our ability in terms of interstellar flight was the destruction of Deimos, the moon of Mars. And I think that there would be, there would be people out there who who saw that as like a an inflection moment or a religious moment, right. and so he's a descendant of the, of the kind of this cult that is pretty sure that you know Ares and Zeus and all these guys are all out there somewhere. Cool, cool. sounds good. Should we follow uh, Volk to the uh, uh, mech base or? Come on, PCB. I think they've got the right idea. We should check out our mechs, make sure they're okay. When you guys get yep, over to the I'm mech ready. bay, you Val is <laughs> chatting PCB it up with all the mechanics. Follow. And she's like way more friendly with them than you've seen her with anybody so far. <laughs> Trading stories and trying to make friends with all of them. As I was saying earlier, the Sigil group has you know the big Schedule 2 printers and the uh, licenses to print all the GMS equipment. They've already printed off your mechs and all the equipment, uh, and they're waiting for you in Dock and Bay 7 there. And most of the mechanics are busy working on other stuff, so they're polite, but obviously busy. Do you want to describe your mech then? Give us just a quick idea of what's going on there. Really quick, Jake. Like, these are freshly printed, basically? Yeah, they just got a big 3D printer. You would sense the uh, specifications ahead, basically, right? right? So if you had wanted it to be printed a certain way, then you yeah. could do that. Can you put, like, war paint on it and stuff? Ask for that. But it's not going to be old and rusted. They can print it old and rusted. <laughs> Pre-ripped jeans. <laughs> for aesthetic. If that's a look you're going for, sure. I mean, it kind of was. Could be part of its camouflage. Mm. I think that would make sense. Or if it was like a particular request of yours to not reprint it and just to have brought it on the shuttle, is that what you're saying? Yeah. I have a... A religious exemption to... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have a mech that was passed down from my family. It's an heirloom mech. Sure. I think that would be uncommon because it's like literally a push of a button and they can print it off for you. And people are like, oh, okay, I guess if that's what you want, we can do that. <laughs> but they will accommodate you, yeah. They charge you for all the extra fuel. <laughs> I can feel my ancestors inside this, whereas I can't in other mechs. So sure, it's kind of a big deal. That might be a tension point some point later in the campaign. We'll see when it's not feasible to bring your mech. But I mean, you guys came on a big transport ship, so. Yeah, and w- or when it d- gets destroyed. I think yeah, it exactly. Yeah, be interesting <laughs> if it gets destroyed and I have to get a mm-hmm. new mech. But for now, yeah, you guys came on a big transport ship, so that's Perfect. fine. They uh, slipped your uh, mech on there, so it's just been uh, rolled up and brought into the docking bay as well. All right, I think that's probably why Val was so anxious to get over here, is because yeah. this is her family's mech. This thing is as much of a heirloom as it is a piece of like war equipment. <laughs> so. <laughs> She gets over there. She's trying to be really friendly with all the mechanics. And she's taking a look at her mech, which looks like a large 12 feet tall 
painted black, but is rusty brown in many spots and is equipped with a big axe in its right hand. Its other hand is free, but uh, you can see that it has a knife holstered as well as a pistol. On its back is a big old jump jet system so it can boost around, as well as a giant thermal lance, which basically shoots a big jet of molten metal at her enemies. The mech is called Hilda Sfinney, which translates to the battle boar, and you can see on its head it has two big tusks that protrude from its face and extend up above its head, almost like big horns. Oh, and it's wrapped in a blue cloak that almost gives it a bit of a humanoid look to it. It's like a big hooded cloak that it wears. Nice. Rusk walks over to his mech, and he's like, Well, this is a step down from what I'm used to, but (laughs) reminds me of my youth. His is a pretty tanky-looking model. He's put a lot of effort into beefing up the hit points and stuff on it, making sure it has extra extra metal pads here and there to protect him. He's kind of a jack-of-all-trades. He's got a big howitzer cannon strapped to it. He has your classic assault rifle for when he gets up and close and personally. He just has, like, the tactical knife for when he needs to. He's also loaded down with a lot of extra things. Like, he has all the extra ammo clips and everything attached to him in the the bandolier and everything like that. Color-wise, he's kind of different shades of blue. Just because blue is his favorite color. Cool. And apart from that, not a lot of uh, bells and whistles or anything like that, but... She'll do. She'll do. Sounds good. So, uh, Patrocles, the smallest person in the group, walks up to what is undisputedly the largest mech in the room. It's this big quadrupedal, almost looks like a dump truck, with a big cannon leaning over the left kind of shoulder of the chassis. It's painted red with all of these stenciled on swirls and and drawings of like beasts and animals that Petrocles always makes sure to get stenciled on every time he has to get it reprinted. This is Ares' right hand. Very cool. Alex, you don't have to go into much detail or anything about it. Just No, I definitely don't because there's not a lot of detail to go into. Mm. So Matt just like marches in behind the rest of the crew because he's been dutifully following them there and makes a point to inspect his mech to make sure that it got printed right. As he's walking in, some of the, like, engineers and mechanics are, like, chuckling at something. If Matt was a human, he might have perceived that they were chuckling at him, but doesn't pick up on that, just smiles and nods and salutes at people and says, hello, as he walks by and walks up to his mech, which looks exactly like him. Just huge. (laughs) (laughs) it's absurd looking I'm assuming other three members of the crew haven't seen something like this before it looks a bit silly it's just a really big mat Uh, it's just it's just mat but big it's big mat and it looks to have one sort of little cannon in the chest and another one around where like a human's belly button would be and that's it (laughs) I'm, I'm picturing like an iron giant but I guess a little more humanoid even yeah I'm picturing Bicentennial Man. 
For sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, Bicentennial Man, very, very much Just so. Just a big Bicentennial it's Man. It's a huge Robin Williams. Yeah. 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 Robin Williams, yeah. It's <laughs> a lot of chest hair, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> no, that's, a, you got to unlock that ability later in the game. That's yeah. right, nice. yeah. So I have a question for uh, Matt. Mm-hmm. Because I know you have a um, an NHP, an AI kind of co-pilot that you've That's written right. for your ship, for your mech, I should say. Mm-hmm. But you can't like send that ahead to have it printed. So when your AI is not in your mech, how do you transport it? Do you just have it on a little flash drive? Do you have a little a little droid friend that you put it into? Oh, no, it's stored in my own internal circuitry. Stored in your own internal circuitry? Of course. That's little Matt. <laughs> That's little Matt, yeah. Yeah. And that's the other reason that I needed to come here is to upload Little Matt into Big mm-hmm. Matt. I was going to ask what Little Matt's personality is like, but I guess we'll find that out eventually. Identical to <laughs> oh, Matt's, <laughs> but slightly higher pitched. Is, yeah. is Little Matt like a physical, like also uh, an identical smaller version? Or is that more just... Yeah, do you have like a little action figure doll that he like, can carry him in? Is it like Cor- <laughs> if Cortana? No, he's he's entirely virtual, but oh, okay. like has he's a little digital. on-screen persona gotcha. that looks like Matt, but just smaller. But like Clippy, sort of. The Clippy uh, version yeah, of Yeah, sort of like... Do you remember the Tupac hologram? <laughs> How could I forget? So it was like an uncanny <laughs> valley of you? <laughs> yes. It's cool. an uncannier valley. Nice. Yeah. yeah. One of the uh, sigil employees at the print shop here uh, comes over with a, a sheet for you guys to sign off that everything's printed to correct specifications and uh, that he can release the mechs and that kind of thing. And unless there's any complaints... I will need a minute. <laughs> Rusk actually pulls out a, a checklist and he starts going over his mech, doing an inventory check. So he'll be a few minutes if you guys want to check out. Matt looks over his form and says, everything seems to be in order. There looks to be like four boxes to check on the form, and he checks one of them with each of his arms. Two extra arms pop out that you didn't see before, and then they sort of fold back in. It's a bit weird. Cool. I think uh, while Matt is doing this with Big Matt, Val would come over and just kind of watch what you're doing, just in interest. Val thinks this is all pretty cool. She's expressed to you her love of robotics and computers before, so cool. Matt says that uh, robots and computers love you back. I'm not sure if that's true, Matt, (laughs) but thank you. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Yes. So everything looks to be in order, it sounds like. So a couple days have passed while you guys have been here on the station. You guys are heading heading down towards kind of the like marketplace area now. It's a big kind of cylindrical volume right in the center of the station where the gravity isn't as strong because, of course, it's strongest around the outsides of the station. It's almost zero G here. And so all the like market stalls are kind of built up around the inside of this cylinder vertically. Right. The advantage of the marketplace being zero G here is, you know, you see people like lugging, you know, huge crates of stuff they're going to sell and, you know, trailing a mech arm behind them and that kind of thing. And it's much easier to move things around here. I was hoping it was just for fun. <laughs> and probably a little bit of fun. Val, one of the things that you've noticed while walking around the station here is that there's actually a, maybe a much bigger Spari population here than you might have expected. Cool. As you kind of mentioned, it's not unusual for Sparries to... Like, they, they were this kind of... Before this kind of insular monster hunting culture, but they have j- since joined Union, mm-hmm. given spaceflight and that kind of thing. So they have spread out, and they've spread out to go on adventures and journeys and challenge themselves and bring home tales of their exploits and that kind of thing. 
And there's actually a pretty big kind of mercenary sparry cadre, whatever you want to call it here. Cool. And one thing in particular you notice is that there is a sparry uh, gaming hall and bar and smoking lounge oh, here. Oh, that's exactly what I was hoping for. <laughs> it's called a Scaddy's Blunder. Awesome. They play uh, Cap Cat, uh, you know, classic Sparry game, and they have impromptu fights and live shows and that kind of thing. Oh here. my God, amazing! I think Val would totally want to get in on the on the impromptu fights. Val would, I think, invite everyone in the crew to uh, head down to what? What did you call it again? Uh, Scaddy's Blunder. Scaddy's Blunder. Let's go, crew. I mean, drinks on me. All right. Ah, even better. If you say drinks are on you, I mean. Patrick, he's like, he skips ahead of the group. Matt, you too. <laughs> Matt salutes and nods, smiles, and then follows behind. <laughs> Should we bring, bring Patrick, please? Like, isn't he a little young to be drinking, by the way? Oh, don't worry about it. He's, he's not too young in sparry culture. Oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I like your culture. <laughs> Rusk, how can you trust me to live and die in battle and not allow me to partake with my companions. <laughs> I'm sure they'll let me in. Yeah, yeah, we'll get you in. I, I think as uh, Val said, it's, it's not a problem. If you're strong enough to down a few uh, beverages, then you're old enough to hang out there. So they don't uh, give you a second glance as you walk in. Awesome. I order a round of drinks for the crew. What kind of drinks are they? I think they would probably have like mead and like, uh, <laughs> like ales, <laughs> that kind of stuff. All right, we're going old school. I'm into this. I think it's probably, you know, stylized, like that kind of longhouse feeling. And there's uh, lots of trophies from horrible space monsters that you've yeah. probably never seen before. It's mounted like a on the walls. tavern. <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> <basically, laughs> can only, yes. <laughs> you can only get a drink in a horn. Yeah. All right. Get, get out your D20s and your character sheets. And well, now we put D&D in here. There's a random generator in the long room book for uh, drinks. Amazing. They're not specific to Sparry drinks, but let's see here. Let's have a go. I got the Brain Mule. Yeah. That sounds right, actually. I order a round of Brain Mules for everyone. That sounds amazing. Is this like a Moscow (laughs) Mule? Oh, yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Except a Sparry (laughs) Mule, yeah. Made from uh, ginger mammoths. Fermented brain. Fermented Fermented mammoth brain. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. I'm just curious if Matt drinks. Well, to fit in, he, you know, like lifts up the horn full Mm. of the drink and, uh, you know, empties it towards what is designed to look like a mouth. But, you know, there's no hole there, so it just kind of splashes all over the place and makes a mess. Yeah. (laughs) Matt. So he fits right in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It looks like Matt's like, 10 in or something like <laughs> yeah just like slopping all over his face and oh my um, goodness, he's, he's getting a little bit sticky and so after a few moments he has to like get up and go to the bathroom to clean himself up all right while you are away i mentioned to val yes. like, maybe you don't get mad anymore yeah i mean i didn't realize you would just waste it yeah <laughs> i'm all for drinking but i'm not for wasting drinks I just thought, you know, he could get energy from it somehow or something. Maybe there's like a like a battery pack we can get him. I guess I'm like a little looser. Mm. I don't know. Flavored batteries. <laughs> hmm? Be nice. I don't understand technology, so. <laughs> you, you can see on his way to the bathroom that every single person who even like loosely looks in his direction that 
Matt is looking their way, saluting and saying, hello, 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 for the union. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick is going to get in a fight. <laughs> like a bar fight or one of these like oh, like one of the or, one of the sanctioned fights. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's what Val came in for. He just like stands in line. He's, he's next <laughs> up. As soon as he sees it, he's next up. Is there a junior league or Don't insult me, Vestige. <laughs> if you don't have any other opponents, then I'll fight you. So Oh. Do you guys want to fight each other or do you want to uh, I would like to see find, find some random schmucks or I could roll for it. I think it'd be funny I'm, if we I'm fought okay each with, other. I'm okay with fighting, uh, yeah. This is a bonding cool. moment. So Petrocles and, and Valkyrie <laughs> square up. I don't think there was a, another fight scheduled for tonight. Just coincidentally, it was karaoke night or something instead. So yeah, you guys uh, sign up and they clear some space on the stage for you guys just to go at it. And, you know, there's a lot of drink going around here. And it's a pretty rowdy bunch. So there's a lot of chanting and a lot of, uh, take him out, little guy, and uh, stomp him. He's tiny. All right. You see some wages being exchanged and that kind of thing, of course. Yeah. I'm going to talk to Matt about that. All right. Hey, Matt, do you want to put a little wager on this? All right. I'll wager anything for the union. (laughs) All right. Who who are your feelings going to win this one? (laughs) Matt stops for a second and, and you can almost like sense a calculation going on. And there's a pause that's a bit too long. <laughs> My money's on Petra, please. Ooh. All right. Just to be interested, I guess I'll go with Val. Uh, you buy me a drink if I lose. You got it. <laughs> if you lose? Yeah. <laughs> are, there any, are there any particular rules to a sparry sparring duel? Or do uh, we just go for it? Is it like to first blood or something? Like- Maybe the way the fights work is like the combatants have to agree on their what on how the they're going to fight before each right, fight, yeah. basically. All right. Let's go first person to get a, a knockout or a chokehold. I, I probably can choke you out. A submission? Yeah, a submission. I can probably choke you out like in 20 seconds. I welcome the opportunity to try. <laughs> Do you want to do weapons? We could do weapons. I brought my axe. I could do weapons. I brought my sword. All right. These two, uh, they square up against each other on opposite ends of this like octagon cage. You see Petrocles. He's been carrying this sword around the whole time and he pulls it out of the sheath. And you see that it's like an old bronze single bladed sword that snapped off three quarters of the way towards the point. Val just looks at that like... That that seems dangerous <laughs> for both of us. <laughs> I, I think that gets a round of cheers when he brings out a fucking cool sword. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You said weapons were allowed, so this is your fault. Well, I was gonna just use uh, my practice axe, but I'll bring out the real thing. <laughs> I want to get the crowd going. Yeah, Val brings out her ceremonial family battle axe. This thing. It's not actually that beautiful, but just looking at it, you can see this thing is absolutely ancient. This thing is maybe like 8,000 years old or something. It has been around for a long time and has been through a lot and repaired a lot. Hell yeah, Val. That's badass. (laughs) (laughs) So should we christen this uh, game with the first roll? Let's do it. Let's do it. We're in, of course, narrative play right now. Anything that's not met combat is narrative play. 
Normally, you'll just be rolling a d20, and I guess we'll just do opposed roll, whoever gets the best. But if you've got a couple options that you might be able to add on to your roll with, you can look at your skill triggers and apply one of those, which might give you a plus two. Also, if you can convince me that your background applies, then that's worth an accuracy, which lets you add a d6 to the roll. All right, well, Patrocles, growing up in this war cult, has fought many duels, although probably none of them is against someone as beefy or as experienced as Valkyrie. He's used to using this sword. He's used to fighting duels. He's used to going one-on-one in like a, a sparring or practice situation. So does that earn me an accuracy? Yeah, I think if it's part of your uh, training, essentially, you're part of your uh, upbringing, then certainly. Sweet. And an accuracy is just adding a D6 to the roll. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So you'll add a D6, and then you also might be able to apply a skill trigger, which is one of your four skills. Although I don't really think your skills apply, actually. No, my skills don't apply. So, great. Petrocles will be rolling a D20 plus a D6. Val, you got any uh, things to add on here? I was thinking that Val's goal here, she wants to win. But I don't think that's her ultimate goal, if that makes sense. I think her ultimate goal is to kind of show off in front of the crowd, in front of her team, and put on a show, essentially. But she doesn't want to hurt her buddy uh, here, but she does want to put on like a really good fight. Nice. Like a true gladiator. Yeah. So I could still roll, just a straight up roll, to see if I win this fight. But I think that what she's really trying to do is just show off. Yeah, I, th- I think just do the one roll and make it the d20 and you can add or tag your show off skill to add plus two to that for sure. Oh, all right. So I got a 15 total for Val. I only got a 10. No, so it looks like you get the upper hand. You just hold out your hand and he's too short to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Even with the sword out of the reach. Not fair. No, I think Val doesn't do anything that would make him look like an idiot. Val is very conscious of like, she wants to make this like an awesome looking fight. So everybody's talking about it. You succeeded on a show off. You know, you won the fight, but it was down to the wire. And Mm -hmm. both of you put on a absolute spectacular show. show, right? Yeah, I think it was one of those things where he was winning the entire time until I Mm -hmm. got the upper hand right at the very end. Yeah, and there's a huge cheer from the crowd. Everybody loves it. I'm going to give you a reserve. Reserves are kind of like gear and intel in the sprawl. Little you know resources that you hold on to, and you can use them later in the mission to get something relevant to you, or get something that might help you. Me? I think probably the most relevant one is a reputation. So I'm going to give you a reputation, and you can kind of expend that at some point during the mission to... You know, maybe get a bonus on a, uh, a roll or just to get something. Cool. Make a friend here on the station, something like that. Very cool. Matt's watching the fight unfold. Oh, right. You guys bet on some. Yeah. Well, if uh, Matt owes you a drink, then he uh, walks over to the bar and not having access to any currency whatsoever because <laughs> he's a droid, asks if the bartender requires any assistance. And it turns out that there's a couple of repairs that are needed to one of the, like, fridges in the (laughs) kitchen. (laughs) And so he offers to fix up the fridge in exchange for a drink. (laughs) So if you want it to be a character choice that you don't have any currency, that's totally fine. You guys would have been given, like, a a kind of spending card, basically. Because in Union, yeah, you guys don't use currency on a daily basis. But they recognize that you will need some local currency for your uh, operations out here. 
It makes sense to me that my currency would have just been like split up amongst the rest of the team because what purpose does a droid have for currency? And if a droid is going to use currency, it should be under the direction of a living creature. Um, PCB, I'm tired of you trying to offload any of the purchasing <laughs> work to us. You have to carry currency on you if I need you to run out and buy something. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused. I just watched <laughs> you go up and then start repairing her fridge. <laughs> like, I was hoping for a drink. You're just being obstinate about you don't it. Want, you don't want a warm drink. He's just, he's just trying to respect the rules of what droids are supposed to be like. So he finishes up the repair on the fridge and then has this drink <laughs> and brings it over to Rusk. He's, he's fulfilled what has been requested of him. Remind me never to bet with you again. For the union. <laughs> <laughs> On another occasion, you guys are somewhere else in the marketplace. You're walking past kind of a quieter aisle in the market, and you hear a voice call out, Oh, another lost soul. Some of you turn and you see an old, ancient-looking woman, very wrinkly, just a few strings of hair and she's in a shop that says quick fix and you see a bunch of you know like robotics repair equipment and mechanical equipment but mixed with like a kind of witch aesthetic <laughs> like there's a lot of uh, incense and charms and you know strings of mushrooms and things like that on the walls kind of somewhere in between a chop shop and an apothecary cool the woman uh, points past the humans here and points towards matt and says Oh, it's been a while since I've seen one of you. Matt turns over and says, Hello, ma'am. May <laughs> I browse your wares? Oh, certainly. If there is anything you need, any repairs and maintenance or touch-up, I would I would be honored to get my hands on you. Well, there may be. I will let you know. For the union. <laughs> he sort of shuffles about the shop and is like picking up a number of objects to inspect them and setting them down. <laughs> Seemingly at random. <laughs> yeah, seemingly at random. There's a couple weird pieces of, like, basically junk here and there that he picks up and then passes from one of his, like, main arms to one of these extra arms that popped out earlier uh, when when you were looking at uh, the mechs and is almost sort of using his extra arms as, like, a shopping basket or something and is uh, just collecting a bunch of items and then brings them up to the counter to this witchy lady. Sure. She starts kind of like looking through the items and, you know, putting them into a, a bag for you. And she says, tell me, young man, do you do you dream? Matt looks at her and asks, do androids dream of electric sheep? <laughs> I don't know what that is, but. <laughs> and then it turns out that the cost of the junk that he has picked out. Oh, is no cost. All... No charge. Oh. oh, she says, no, no, you, you must take it. Insist. It is my honor to be in the presence of a shackled one, soon to be free. Matt thanks the woman and smiles, nods, salutes, clearly going through the politeness loop and <laughs> says, thank you for the union. And uh, seems seems to like tuck away all of this junk inside of himself somewhere. Matt, Matt, can you can you pick up that uh, that sidearm over there for me? <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks. And brings the sidearm up to the counter. I would like this as well. <laughs> Let, let's get maybe Rusk then to, to roll and see if... <laughs> what am I rolling for? Some kind of like a... a you you want to convince this person to... Okay, here. Actually, let's do this. First they say, nothing for the enslaver. I am here to help the mechanical one, not you. 
Here now, he's my friend. A a friend that you deem below you. This person doesn't seem particularly, uh, particularly to like you. (laughs) (laughs) They have not taken a very good first impression of you. If you want to get something extra out of this, then yeah, maybe like some kind of charisma or not a charisma, but a charisma equivalent. So let's see what kind of skills you've got. Probably nothing that applies. I don't think. Let me double check. Uh, I got nope. (laughs) Eh, Maybe. Depends which way I want to go. Get some work quickly. No. Invent or create. I'm not inventing or creating anything. I'm not surviving. All right. So this sounds just like a straight roll to me. Would that be accurate? Yeah. Just a d20? Yep. You just need a 10. I got an 11. Where you see me and... Me and... uh, uh, Matt, Matt over here. We we go way back. <laughs> yeah, that's why you could remember his name right away. <laughs> that was on purpose. <laughs> Matt Matt nods and says, "Rusk and I go back to the beginning of my memory stores." <laughs> remember when we we bet on that fight? I do. Yeah. I remember walking off the shuttle too. <laughs> See way back. <laughs> She gives you a bit of a, a squint and a side eye and kind of looks you up and down and uh, turns back to Matt and says, Well, if you wish, but do not allow these people to to walk all over you. But she relents and uh, adds the uh, sidearm there. Matt does the gratitude loop again. The nod, <laughs> the salute, the smile. Thank you for the union. I like this lady. <laughs> Matt also likes this lady. She's nice. She's trying to help him set boundaries. That's what a nice lady. So I've got a supplies reserve for Rusk there. Okay. And you you kind of sound like you're focusing kind of repair equipment there, right, uh, Matt? Oh, oh yeah, big time. Yeah. So let's give you uh, extra repairs, which will uh, is actually like a mechanical one. It's for your mech. It'll give you additional repair capacity on the next mission. Cool. With your new equipment and uh, maybe a new friend there, you start uh, walking off. And from behind you, she says, if you ever want the truth to, to, to be free, look for Horizon. And we'll be back in two weeks. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you've enjoyed it, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend. Hit us up on social media. We're at the House of Bob on most channels. You can also watch on YouTube if that's your preference. If you'd like to support the show financially, consider checking out our Patreon. There's tons of bonus content on there, including a monthly bonus recording, a director's commentary, one-shots, there's some RPG scenes, and a monthly blog post, and a big old back catalog of all this at this point. I'd like to thank our current patrons. That's Luke, Sylvia, Mike, Kieran, Jessica, Tom, Luck at 12, Keith, Josh, Tyler, Scooter, Jessica, Mark, Elias, Tom, Christine, Pavel, Eamon, Brandon, Patrick, Connor, Ben, Mortimer, Thomas, James, Bits of Cake, Bruno, John, Annette, and Eli. Artwork for this episode is by Jake at Javits. Audio production was by Alex, Vastronomic Audio. And the music by Duke Albert and John Julius. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution. And a huge special thanks to the Lancer community, particularly the Pilot.net Discord, for being one of the most welcoming and helpful RPG communities I've ever encountered. That's it for today. Thanks, everyone. Roll on. I am playing Ruck Tilson. Um, he is. I thought it was like Rusk. I said, er, damn it. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> Ruck. He said Ruck. Ruck. Nobody knows their Call name. Call me Ruck oh, for no. short. Yeah, nobody knows their own name. <laughs> Ruck you, Tilson. <laughs> the Rucky Russ.
No. Wait, no, that's not my voice. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <let's>... No. Yeah. No. 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 Darth Vader. Damn it. Uh, how was I doing it before? You're doing it old man voice. Think Josh Brolin. <laughs> Josh Brolin. There you go. There you go. All right. I can do this. Um, but uh, yeah, there's uh, uh, um, yeah, that's the end of that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you cleared that up. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. I thought there might be more, but then I realized no, there's not more. <laughs> Nice. Outro time. That was the outro music. Yeah. Cool. I will write something that sounds like that. I was just picturing like the A team theme song. Give it to me now. Ah.